The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is sponsored by James Oliver Coffee Company at jamesolivercoffee.com. James Oliver is a second-generation family-owned and Detroit-based coffee roaster, offering 19 different blends of freshly roasted coffee. The company pioneered link temperature roasting, and they source the best beans from around the world to create an outstanding coffee experience, no matter which beans you choose. To start, try the alma mater blend. James Oliver Coffee gives $5 for each bag of its alma mater blend to the Detroit Public Schools Foundation. And don't forget, use the promo code CFSHOW, that's CFSHOW, to get 15% off your first order. James Oliver Coffee, available at select grocery stores in Metro Detroit and, of course, at jamesolivercoffee.com. Remember, use the promo code CFSHOW to get 15% off your first order. That's jamesolivercoffee.com. Hey, thanks for joining me for the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me on this Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I figured it was time to get an update on what was happening with the census in the city of Detroit. Last time we checked in, uh, the deadline had just been, well, taken away a little bit. About 30 days have been lopped off the amount of time that the city has to collect data on its residents for the federal government for the census. Joining me once again, of course, is my friend Vicki Kavari, who is running the census operation in the city of Detroit for Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan. Vicki, welcome back. Thank you, Craig. Good to be back. Well, it's good to have you here. And uh, again, uh, time is getting tight. Uh, as of today, which is a Tuesday morning, we are about, oh, I don't know, nine days away from the deadline here at this point. Um, and where do we stand? Like, why don't we just start with that? Where do we stand right now in terms of how many uh, you think you've got counted at this point? Well, we don't know the exact number. We just know what the response rate has been. So on Friday, it was 50.1% of Detroit housing units have responded. Um, the caveat to that is included in those housing units are lots of vacant addresses, lots of vacant lots, and some bad addresses. So um, the Census Bureau uses um, about 380,000 housing units as their uh, universe on which they calculate the response rate. So we know we only have about 265, 270 occupied units, 1,000, 270,000 occupied. So at the end of the census, they'll recalculate the rate just based on the occupied housing. So we know that those numbers are going to go up. We don't know by how much. And we're just working really hard to, uh, to the very end, signing people up. Well, and, and the very end, again, is coming pretty quickly. You've got teams out on the street right now. Uh, they're knocking on doors, trying to get information from people that haven't yet responded. Um, what is sort of the biggest impediment to getting people to respond at this point? I mean, I know there's a lot of fear involved with this for a lot of folks, um, but do you find that that's the issue or are most people just sort of like out of sight, out of mind? Well, I think right now it's a, it's a combination of factors. We've learned from all of the people we've signed up at grocery stores and food distribution sites that a lot of people just have trouble navigating the form. Whether it's a technology issue or a literacy issue, just folks need help filling out the form. And there's the biggest fear is just fear of making a mistake on it. And so we found that a lot, that people don't want to do it themselves necessarily because they're afraid, you know, this is a government form and they're going to make a mistake. There certainly are those who no matter what you say, do not trust the government or maybe any other entity with their information. But that's not a huge percentage that we have found. Um, 
And so the other issue is apartment buildings. So apartment buildings have been notoriously difficult to count um, for a m bunch of different censuses. Um, you know, people move a lot. Uh, sometimes their apartment units aren't quite correct on the on the uh, on their address file. So, and it's hard to get into apartment buildings to knock on doors, it, both for us and for the Census Bureau. So, um, right now, the the biggest uh, group of folks that have have not responded as well as we would like those with low responses have been those folks that live in apartment buildings um, across the city, but particularly in downtown, in midtown, and along the riverfront, those buildings um, have been difficult to get access to for census workers and um, still have low response rates in those areas. Well, and, and I have to ask if, if COVID has had an impact on that, because we have seen this in other cities in America. You have densely populated neighborhoods that have emptied out a little bit as people go to live with relatives or, or go someplace else to ride out uh, lockdown in many instances. Has that impacted uh, the response rate, do you think? Absolutely. Um, you can, I'm downtown now, and, and downtown is a shadow of its former self right now. Uh, in terms of the activity, both people working down here, and you're absolutely right that a lot of folks um, who live in apartment buildings downtown and near the Wayne State University, certainly, and in the rest of Midtown, have chosen or chose early on to wait out the virus in some other place. Uh, we've heard stories, you can just look at the uh, parking structures, uh, the one right across from where I'm sitting uh, on Randolph. Uh, that was always full. You could just look at it. There were no spaces in there. Now it's about two-thirds empty still. So we know a lot of folks still have not come back downtown in the numbers that they had been pre-COVID. Well, and, and I mean, obviously, uh, population count matters for the city for a lot of different reasons. You and I have discussed this before. A lot of federal dollars are tied to that population. But one of the other things that we get out of it as a community is a sense as to what progress we are making or not making uh, in terms of making Detroit a better place for people to live, work, et cetera. Um, and it, it seems as if this, if this count is short because of COVID, all that sort of stuff, it really is going to sort of skew the reality of, of what we're seeing on the ground in Detroit in terms of neighborhood repopulation, everything. And are you concerned that we are still not going to have an accurate idea as to exactly what impact a lot of changes in the city are, are having? I, I, I think we are very concerned about um, this census and how accurate it's going to really reflect our population. One of the things the Census Bureau does, um, and that's what this um, door knocking operation is so critical. It's the it's really the core of the census. And because it was cut short, um, and because there's been a lot of confusion and uh, just we, what we think inadequate training of census enumerators, et cetera, um, we're not doing that operation as well and, and as efficiently as it's been done in the past. But even so, um, the Census Bureau has to account for every single one of those units. If, they're, if they don't exist, like if they're a vacant lot, then that's easy. But the ones that are vacant are going to be trickier uh, because some of those are buildings undergoing rehab, some of them are just vacant and abandoned, and others are vacant because the folks, the, the people who rent those apartments are just temporarily not there. So that, in that case, the Census Bureau does um, what they call an estimation. Um, so 
how many people would have lived here if um, if COVID hadn't happened. It's going to it's a very complicated operation when they have to estimate, and they do it every census, but usually it's a very small portion. But this time around, we're afraid that it's going to be a much larger portion of the units. And whenever you have um, a high percentage of estimated units population in those units, the less accurate the census is. So yes, we're concerned, um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see what the count is. We have our own population estimates based on utility records and surveys that we've done, hundreds of surveys that we've done, post office records, et cetera, a combination of all of those. So we have some um, solid idea of what the population uh, might be, and um, we're just gonna have to see uh, when the census comes out next spring with their citywide and state population counts, how close we are to that. Well, I mean, let's be honest, uh, the Census Bureau is notoriously conservative when it comes to estimating these things. They don't want to overestimate because they don't want to send too many funds. Um, and they sometimes err perhaps on underestimating, as I've heard Mayor Duggan uh, discuss on a number of occasions over the years. Uh, that seems to be a real potential danger. Uh, and, and do people, when you talk to them about this, realize just how much money is tied into each and every one of them uh, signing up for this thing? Do they get that this matters? I think a majority of Detroiters get it. We've looked on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. A lot of people seem to know why the census matters. Um, the, the question is now, um, are they gonna just convince themselves and their neighbors um, to be open to sharing information? Because when we um, decide on what neighborhoods are gonna get like going to be what we call strategic neighborhoods. They're going to be neighborhoods where re replanning is taking place, reconfiguration of streets, um, sidewalks, bike lanes, all this stuff. A lot of those decisions are based on how densely populated those neighborhoods are. And so if a neighborhood is undercounted, it really hurts their development potential. But the best way that people in Detroit neighborhoods can guard against that is to fill out the census, make sure their family, their neighbors fill out the census. And when census workers come knocking on those doors in your neighborhood, welcome them, work with them, share information about what you know about vacant housing. That is the best way we're gonna ensure um, against an undercount. Well, I should remind folks, my guest is uh, Vicki Kavari. She is in charge of the census count for the for Detroit Mayor uh, Mike Duggan here in the city of Detroit, uh, working, of course, with the U.S. Census Bureau to make sure that everybody fills out those forms and gets counted here in the city. But uh, you were a good pick for this job, in my opinion, a long time ago. Uh, we worked together when I was at the city. You were, the, of course, the deputy director of the Department of Neighborhoods. You had extensive connections with block clubs and neighborhood associations and everybody else. And I wonder uh, how this is sort of how this experience has impacted your level of knowledge about what's going on in the city's neighborhoods and the city itself, because you already had extensive connections everywhere. I'm assuming this has sort of accelerated that a bit. Absolutely. I, I think one of the goals we had in going into this is trying to use the census to build greater capacity in the neighborhood. So we recruited 110 neighborhood leaders to be census captains. We trained them, we paid them a $200 stipend a month, um, much of what they were going to be doing beginning in March of this year was events. And a lot of, all of those events went away sure. that we had planned in March, April, and May. But we've recovered on that. And we have held over 100 events over the last three months. 
Um, and so a lot of our census captains, we switched to a virtual phone bank. We had to train leaders on how to do a, a virtual phone bank. Folks that barely had an email and could manage that were now making calls from their computer and their tablets, um, really trying to build the capacity. They had to use a, an app on a phone to do surveys um, in their neighborhood. And uh, the groups we hired to do canvassing also had to use that kind of program. Um, and so we did a lot of training on that. And that was one way to build the capacity in the neighborhoods. But the other big thing was the neighborhood census challenge that we initiated at the end of April and that ended at the end of July. And we ended up giving 25 community groups $1,000 a piece um, for their work to increase their census response. So the groups that had done the best job of increasing their response compared to 2010 uh, received a $1,000 um, check. Uh, for their efforts. So, but we were giving uh, groups of over 700 Black Club leaders every week. We were giving them updates on where their neighborhood stood and in relationship to other neighborhoods, really trying to foster a little competition. Um, in District 1, we had what we call the War of the Roses. <laughs> so, Rosedale Park and North Rosedale uh, kept flip-flopping uh, between first and second place in their, in their overall response rates. Um, and, uh, and so we really tried to have a little bit of fun with it, but we had um, about 120, 130 groups actually sign up to be a part of the neighborhood census contest. Um, and like I said, we were engaging, you know, hundreds of leaders every week on where their neighborhood stood, really fostering pride in their neighborhood. And we got great, great um, events that happened in the neighborhoods um, from census Zoom parties and census bingo to the door-to-door -door canvassing, to caravans throughout their neighborhood, um, you know, lawn sign distributions, barbecues, all that stuff. So um, I'm pretty proud of, of Detroit neighborhoods and how they took on this challenge. Well, I want to ask you one last question, Vicki, uh, because you did say something earlier in this that, that caught my attention. You, you talked about the training level of some of the census enumerators on, uh, who are actually working for the federal government. Um, I don't want you to sit there and tell me what they're doing wrong, but what are some things that could improve on that front uh, for the next time we actually have to do this? Well, we had many people who, um, up until the door knocking operation started in May, August, had told us that they never heard, they applied for a census job and never heard anything. I personally intervened on a, a number of people directly with the contacts in the Census Bureau saying, please get back to these people. So it was really confusing as to why when they were in such need of enumerators, they weren't getting back to people. Um, and then they got back to people late. Um, one person or several people complained that the, the training that they had to do was in Belleville um, and they were supposed to be enumerating in Detroit. Um, there were malfunctions with the phones that they were given. Um, they tried to upload, uh, three quarters of the training was done via their phone. So they had to upload these training modules in their phone and there were numerous glitches in uploading their modules that forced a lot of enumerators to, to be late on the doors. So, I mean, we've got all of these stories of, of what happened to people when they, you know, when they did get the job um, and folks that never were, um, were contacted after they had filled out an application. So those were some of the problems that um, we um, have learned about. 
Well, and, and I'm not going to get into uh, some of the politics around some of the decisions the Census Bureau has made. Uh, I've talked a little bit about that in the past on my own, and I'll leave that to uh, to myself and not to for you to speculate on to keep you out of trouble, obviously. But um, when you look at this as where we stand right now with this much time, what do you need in these last few days to, to get us to a place where you're going to feel comfortable with the numbers that we're handing over? Well, number one, I would say do one action, people listening, um, whether it's counting your block. Uh, we still have door hangers and lawn signs available for people to pick up. They can email me at kovarev, that's K-O-V-A-R-I-V, at DetroitMI.gov if they're interested in picking up some last minute materials for this week or this weekend. Um, and they can do that. Um, we also have events at grocery stores and food distribution sites and churches um, that if people want to volunteer for, they can email me as well. Um, but mostly encourage your neighbors and your family and your friends to really cooperate with the census workers when they come knocking at their door. Some census workers have made multiple visits to places, um, but share information about your neighbors, about vacant units. I know that people do not like to do that, but this census comes once every 10 years and census workers are required to collect this information. Um, and they're required by law to collect this information and people are required to share it by law. So we're really encouraging people is to, is to pick up the mantle of the census and know how important it is to the city, the state, and the nation that we count everyone, especially in areas like Detroit that have been notoriously undercounted. Um, we need you to participate, we need your help to get us across the finish line. All right. Well, we'll leave it right there. And I mean, there are a whole lot of things that obviously, uh, you know, are, are dependent on getting an accurate count. One, congressional representation. Everybody's talking about that right now, obviously, with what's going on in Washington. That is hugely important, but also the federal dollars that fund so many programs that a lot of people in Detroit rely on. It's really, really critical that we get our fair share because a lot of other states that do a better job than we do with this kind of stuff get more than their fair share. And we become a donor state as opposed to a state that gets back what it puts in. That's why the census matters. But that's my lecture for the day. Vicki Kavari, we always appreciate you being with us and uh, best of luck getting this done. Uh, I know it's been a heavy lift and, and uh, it sounds to me like with all the obstacles and hurdles that have been thrown in your way, you're still making some headway. So congrats. Yes, we are. Well, thank you very much, Craig. Um, look forward to talking again when this is over, maybe. <laughs> we will do so. Get back to work. All right, great. Vicki Cavari, of course, is the director of the Census for the City of Detroit. Uh, we wish them luck in getting an accurate count here in the city. Thanks for checking out the show today. I really do appreciate it. Don't forget, you can always reach out to me. The Craig Folly Show at gmail.com is the easiest way, but you can find me on social media. Leave me messages, comments, all that good stuff. I really do appreciate all of you who have stepped up and have been listening to this program. It means a lot. So do me a favor. Recommend it to friends. Rate the podcast. All that good stuff. It helps climb in the ratings. And something that was very strange yesterday. I, I get some of these metrics uh, that I look at to get numbers for the show, and uh, for some reason the show is trending in Taiwan. I have no idea what I'm talking about that would be interesting in Taiwan, but at the same time, hey, why not? Number 56 with a bullet or something like that. It was kind of funny. Anyway, um, just one of those weird quirks out there. Tomorrow, 
on the program. Should be an interesting conversation. Michigan Supreme Court Justice Mark Bernstein is going to join me. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, what it's been like uh, to deal with a disability during COVID and also to talk a little bit about what's going on at the Supreme Court and some other things and how life is up there in Lansing these days. So that should be a great conversation. I always enjoy talking to him. He's got a lot of insight, so uh, it should be one to check out. And don't forget, uh, coming up on um, Friday, it's the week that was. Friday's the day we do this. The week that was here on Deadline Detroit, where we break down all of the week's news and try to have fun while we do it. Uh, we do that live on Facebook at 1130 in the morning on Fridays, but of course it is made available as a podcast, as you likely know. And you can also watch it at Deadline Detroit's YouTube page. Um, it'll be streaming live there, and the video will be available in both locations. I don't care which way you check it out just that you do and if you like it let us know i appreciate that all right special thanks to my sponsor james oliver coffee jamesolivercoffee.com don't forget that promo code just put the promo code cf show c-f-s-h-o-w in there and you get 15 percent off your first order it is fine and delicious stuff from right here in the city of detroit so support your local businesses it's a big deal especially right now thanks for listening everybody we'll be back soon the Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.